0: Take your Bibles and make your way to Colossians 2. Are you surprised, anybody? We might actually get get done with chapter 2 today. and uh, That's the plan, but you know how plans go. But we might actually get there. Uh, We'll have to see how God allows us. Let me remind you of where we have been in our text so far. It really keys in on verse number 10 when Paul says in chapter 2, verse 10, and you are complete in him, in Christ, who is the head of all principality and power. And he's saying when, when you got Jesus, you got everything that you need. You don't need any, stop looking for anything else. Don't look to any other experience, any other rule. You don't need that. When you got Jesus, you got enough. Amen? And then, of course, the head of all principality and powers, Paul, has already begun to dismantle the heresy that was being taught in Colossae by these false leaders. And one of the, one of the big components of that heresy was that you had to worship angels in order to move your way up to finally get to God, which, which is wholly unbiblical and so he reminds us we have everything we need in Christ. And then he proves it. He walks us through some, some uh, explanations of, of that, that we've been circumcised by Christ. Christ has removed the sin nature from us and given us a brand new nature in that resurrection. Um, and that, that's typified through baptism. We're plunged into Christ where we stay. And that's why we sang that song this morning, in Christ. Um, and then we're raised to new life at the end of that verse. We're resurrected a brand new Man in Christ and and the reason any of that's possible is God had to forgive all of our sins and then he unpacks how did he do that we talked about that last week he took that writing of ordinances that was against us he took it out of the way nailing it to his cross and how many of our sins are left unforgiven church none it's absolutely amazing now Paul in verse 16 says Is going to begin to conclude his thought process here. And this is the so what. Here's why all of that matters. Here's why when you got Jesus, you got everything that you need. Charles Spurgeon said this he said, Christ is the real one thing needful. Mind that you have the substance, for then you can let the shadows go. Here's a reality, church. Whatever you add to the truth actually subtracts from it. I wanna say that again. Whatever we add to the truth ultimately subtracts from the truth. And if you don't stand on the truth, you're in danger of falling for the lie. So here's the reality of this last part of his teaching in chapter 2, is keep the truth, and the truth will keep you. Amen? Keep the truth. Hang on to the truth, and that truth will hang on to you, and it will keep you grounded in God's Word, grounded in Christ, knowing that you're complete in Him and you need nothing other than Jesus. So let's look in verse 16 of chapter 2. my first point here, and it's in your outline, is fighting legalism. I'm going to take you through, and there are three isms that Paul's is going to talk about. The first one is legalism. Um, the second one is mysticism. And then the third one is asceticism. Legalism, mysticism, and asceticism. And all of those are isms that need to be wasms in our lives. Amen. We need to, we need to stay away from those things because they're not good for us. So Paul said, because of Christ, did all of these things and we're left totally forgiven. Um, and he has, he has even defeated Satan, and Satan is powerless other than the power that we give him. Look at verse 16. He says, So, that means therefore. Because. Christ's victory is thorough. And that all that we need, that we are complete in Christ. Therefore, notice what's that next word? Say it with me, church. Come on. Let. Let. That means allow. And think, think of this way. Give permission. And then there's a negative in here. Don't give anyone permission to judge you. Now notice in what area. He's talking about a specific area. In food, or drink, regarding a festival, a new moon, or Sabbaths. Notice that's plural. Just make a note of that. Verse 17, here's why. He says, don't let anyone judge you for that. Because those are a shadow of things to come. But notice, but the substance is of who? Christ. So Paul is warning them here, now that you have Christ and you have all that you need, don't let anyone judge you in food or drink or in festivals or new moons or Sabbaths because all of those things are nothing but a shadow. And who's the substance that casts the shadow? Christ himself. All of those shadows were pointing to ultimately the person of Christ. And when he came, he fulfilled all of that. In your outline this morning, the next point here is um, we, he's calling them to be careful of relying on religious rules for acceptance by God, and the example are these the special diet and special days. Be careful of that, he's saying, relying on religious rules for acceptance. By God, and the Colossians were allowing these false teachers to judge them and to intimidate them, to make them feel inferior because they were not observing the Jewish ceremonial law. That's why this Colossian heresy is really a mixture of first-century Gnosticism, good old-fashioned legal Judaizers or legal uh, legalists from the Jews, and a weird Asian mysticism which we're going to get to in the next couple of verses and aestheticism um, some some odd rules about what you need to leave alone and paul's saying here don't do that don't allow that to happen because what jesus tells us is that it's not what goes into the body that defiles you it's what it's that which comes out of the body right he says, it's not, it's not what you take in that's a problem. It's what's coming out of you. What's already in there, that's your problem. And he says that in Mark 7, verse 14 to 15. He says there, when he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear me, everyone, and understand. Maybe we should hear him and understand, amen? Look at what he says. There is an underlyingness in your Bible. Nothing. That enters a man from the outside which can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. It's what's coming out. It's not what's going in. So it's not about what you eat. And he's talking specifically about kosher laws here and rules and and, and whatnot. And uh, there's so much debate about this. But Paul helps to clear this up in Romans 14 and verse 17 when he says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. See, guys, you're focusing on the wrong thing. It's not about what you're eating. It's not about what you're drinking. But righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So so don't get caught up in these food laws. Don't, Don't get caught up in these Sabbath laws. How many of you know somebody that's caught up in the food and Sabbath laws, right? I think almost all of us do. It's a real popular thing right now. It's been popular since the first century. But what Paul is saying here is that here's the problem with all of that, and this is your second point there. The problem is that these are only shadows of the things that were to come, and Jesus is the thing. Jesus is the substance. These were all shadows of Jesus. Now that the substance is here, now that Jesus has, has taken, taken care of the law and fulfilled it for us, we don't need to keep going back to that. Hebrews 10, verse 1, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, knows that word, and not the very image of the things. It can never, with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. What, what, what is the writer of Hebrews saying? Guys, Jesus has come. He's the image. Why are you continuing to offer these sacrifices? Why are you continuing to do all this stuff? All of that pointed to Jesus. Jesus came, died, was resurrected, and he's seated where, church? At the right hand of the Father. And what Paul is saying is, why do you keep doing all these things? We need to to consider this. A shadow has no reality in and of itself. It only points to the reality of something else. And in the same way that those things pertaining to the Old Testament ceremonial law had no substance in and of themselves, but only as they related or pointed to the coming Messiah, who by this time had already come. Does that make sense? He said, don't, get, don't, let him, don't allow anybody to tell you, well, yeah, Jesus is where you start, but you better keep these festivals. You, 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 better, and you better not keep those holidays, but these festivals. You, you better not eat pork or shellfish. All those laws are still in effect today. And that makes you more spiritual, more readily acceptable to God. That's a lie. And that's what Paul is saying here. And, we gotta, and I'm going to say this and I'm going to move on. The solution here is, is to focus on the reality which is found in Christ. Amen? We have to focus on the reality found in Christ. 1 Corinthians 5.7, Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you might be a new lump since you truly are unleavened. Now look at this, For indeed Christ, our Passover, Amen. look at this, was, past tense, circle that in your Bible, was sacrificed for us. Jesus was the substance that was typified in shadow form by the Passover lamb. Amen? John would say of him when he went to baptize him, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It was past tense. Jesus was that Passover. All those lambs that were sacrificed were all a dim picture of the reality. The substance was Jesus. He was sacrificed. And now we are freed from that law. Now, here's the reality. Now, I'm not, I could get into this, but I'm not going to. I am going to post a link, couple of links on the Facebook page for the church because some of you, I think, might want to go and research this more. But here, there's a big issue today about the Sabbath day and, and the Christian Sabbath, which some believe is Sunday. Well, here's the reality, folks. Don't ever get into an argument about the Sabbath day and say the Christian Sabbath is Sunday. Scripture does not hold that up. The Sabbath, by its name, is the seventh day. It's still Saturday. Did Christians begin to worship on Sunday, the first day of the week, as Christ was resurrected? Yeah, they did, and that's borne out in the Scriptures, too. I personally, this is my personal opinion, you don't have to agree with me. You have the right to be wrong. Um, I don't believe in a Christian Sabbath day. I don't think Sunday's the Sabbath. I think Jesus is the Sabbath. And that I have a constant Sabbath day of rest as I am resting in Christ. Christ. Um, and we can, we can talk about that more. I'm going to post a link for you to listen to something that I thought the man said it much better than I could. But my heart rejoiced in that because that has always been uh, what I understood the scriptures to teach as well. And, and these people were getting caught up in that and telling these people, you've got to go back under the law and legalism. Listen, legalism is death. How many of you know that today? So the solution, we've got to focus on the reality which is found in Christ. Here's the second thing they were fighting. They were fighting against mysticism. Mysticism. And uh, I don't have these um, on the screen. I forgot to put them in. So you're going to have to look in your Bible for verses 18 to 19. And mysticism, he says, don't let anyone disqualify you. Look there in verse number 18. Got to find it in here. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility, in worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. So what is this mysticism that he's talking about? And he says, don't let anyone disqualify you. Don't let anyone cheat you. That's kind of a, 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 an umpire word, Right? When a third strike is thrown, the umpire says what? You're out. And he said, don't let these people act as umpires in your life, as, as spiritual umpires. And saying that you have to have this specific experience or else you're out. Yeah, you start with Jesus, but you've got to add all of these things to Jesus or else you're out. Don't let people, don't let that happen. You don't have to allow that. Don't let anyone disqualify you. And the examples that it's relying on religious experience for status within the church. How many of you have ever seen that in your growing up years in the church, right? And the examples are the worship of angels or, or having these visions and things like that. And their idea is that if you don't have the same type of experiences that we're having, just like an umpire would say that you're out, they're saying, you don't rank. You're not mature in Christ. You don't qualify. And these false teachers were walking around acting like self-appointed spiritual referees who were disqualifying the Colossians because they hadn't had these certain types of religious experiences. And it's all over the church today. And it's subtle. Now, the stuff that we don't agree with, that's easy. We can, we can shoot at a big target, and that's, that's not a big deal. But there are some things that are germane to us. There are some things that we embrace as spiritual disciplines. But we must not look at those disciplines to make us more acceptable to God. We, we must understand we are wholly accepted in a beloved. One of those is fasting. You know that we love to fast around here. Um, it's, just, it's just part of our culture and DNA. And some of us will fast a long time. Jay Brown and I, we fasted a really long time one time. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but here's the thing. You can do this, you know, a 40-day fast and be a worse sinner when you're done than when you started because if i'm fasting looking to the fast to make me more spiritual i've already failed are you with me fasting is shouldn't happen in such a case that god calls you to that and it's, it's so that when you're done you look more like jesus right that you you've gotten you've taken the time that you spend eating and you spent that just enjoying jesus does it make you more spiritual it make you, no what it does is it, it's just a it's just a time management tool really and it's saying, I'm going to take the energy that goes from there and I'm going to place it in my walk with Christ and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get to enjoy him a little bit more specifically. Does that make me better than you? No. In, in fact, and Jesus said even in his day in the Church of Colossae, most of those people are worse. Those Pharisees fasted. I mean, they tied their, 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 uh, their dill and their mint. Um, they tied their spice rack. But they were the jerkiest people you ever want to meet when it was all over. Jesus is saying, don't, and he's saying, don't be like that. Uh, we see in 1 Timothy 2.5, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man who? Christ, Christ Jesus. You, you don't need to have these experiences. And anyone that tells you that you've got to have X, Y, and Z plus Jesus, remember, whatever you add to Christ actually detracts from him. Revelation begins to instruct us on a problem that they were having in this church, and that was the worship of angels. Um, And and don't think that that's not something that people in the church are falling into today. That's why Paul would say, hey, you better test those spirits and see where they're coming from. How many of you know that every spirit is not from God? And you so say, how do I test that? You test it by the Word of God. How many of you know every vision is not from God? Every dream is not from God? we got to test it against the Word of God. Tom shared a dream he had the other day with us. Well, you know what that was? That was a reminder of the truth that's already stated in the Word of God. And it was a good reminder. Not all, I, st- I still remember it, Tom, not all decisions are weighted equally. Isn't that the truth? They're not. There's a way that seemeth right to a man. Right? It's just one decision, the path I'm going to go. But, all. Oh, that's a heavily weighted decision, isn't it? So so just because you didn't have a dream the next night doesn't mean that Tom's more spiritual than you, right? So we don't add those things in there, but they were actually worshiping angels. And we see in Revelation 19 and 10, this is John talking, because this angel shows up, and here's the thing, if you actually ever see an angel that is not, that, that is... Fully appeared and not masked in its glory. You would fall down every time an angel shows up in the Bible. People are falling down on their knees because they're an awesome being. So this angel shows up and John says, and "I fell at his feet to do what? Worship him." Because this angel and, and this is John. I mean, this is Jesus' favorite. Do you think he was close to Christ? Everyone, shake your head. Yes, he was as close as any human being probably ever was. He was Jesus' favorite. The youngest disciple. And is he going to be an idolater and worship angels? No. Angels are so glorious and awesome that when you actually see one, the most natural human thing to do in the face of such power and might is to fall down on your face. But look what the angel says to him. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. He, what does he say? Stop it. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who had the testimony of Jesus. Now look what he says. This angel says, worship God. And that's an imperative. It's an understood you. He's saying, John, you worship God. Don't, Don't worship an angel. For the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. And this was happening. It's interesting that history tells us that the worship of angels continue to be a problem in this area in modern day Turkey. Um for centuries to come. Matter of fact, in 363 A.D., a church synod in Laodicea, remember just up the road 10 miles from Colossae, um, they had to address this issue. And here's the issue they had to address. Is it not right for Christians to abandon the church of God and go away to invoke and pray to angels? They were still dealing with this 300 plus years later. There are actually records that Michael the archangel was worshipped in modern day turkey as late as 739 AD they were still worshiping michael the archangel what was the problem here with this with this mysticism having these crazy experiences it produced a false humility by the way you know what false humility is that's exactly right tom false humility is pride you know when anyone if someone has to tell you how humble they are they're not you know, it's humility and how I attained it in 10 easy steps, right? <laughs> it's this false humility. Um, now, there's nothing wrong with a religious experience in itself. It's only wrong when we compare and try to make our experience the standard for someone else's spirituality. Does that make sense this morning? And they were dealing with this. Or when we make more out of our experience than what Jesus then has done for us on the cross. No spiritual religious experience... Should ever be elevated above the cross work of Jesus Christ in the empty tomb, Amen. And when it is, you better start having some questions. And that's what Paul's saying. And he's, he's bringing them back to this finished work of Jesus. So what's the what's the what's the solution? You stay connected to Christ. That's the solution. You stay grounded in the person of Jesus Christ, no matter what. Jesus, uh, John tells us in John fifteen four. Abide in me, Jesus says, and I in you. Well, well why, Jesus? As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. What's the solution? Stay connected with Christ. Abide in Christ. Make sure that you're doing life together with Jesus. And when you are, the power that comes through uh jesus christ through the holy spirit is going to constantly remind you of the sufficiency of god's word and christ's cross work in an empty tomb amen and any experience that takes you away from that you run away from that experience you don't need it and this 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 uh mysticism was infiltrating the church and it's here today it's in the church today I can't tell you how many emails I get about the next greatest thing that's going to take your church people to the next level. they got to have this experience and that experience. My church people need to have the experience of Jesus Christ on a cross and an empty tomb and Him seated at the right hand of the Father. That's the only experience you need. And beware of anyone that says anything other than that. Well, there's a last ism that Paul has to deal with here. And this is asceticism. He's fighting asceticism, and that's going to be found in verse 20 through 23. So look back in your passage of Scripture, verse 20. Therefore, there's that word again, right? So he's calling this all back to us because all that is true. If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, you do subject yourself to regulations. Now I'm going to stop right there. Look at that first section again. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world. Do you remember a few weeks ago I was telling you that, even last week? This is what Paul is teaching. We're crucified with Christ. Jesus wasn't the only one that died on that cross 2,000 years ago. If you've come to him through faith and repented of your sin, you died on that cross with him. And it amazes me that that shocks people to hear that. That would have shocked nobody in the first century. We've gotten away from that understanding and away from that teaching. And we've done that to our detriment. Because Paul is using this as a basic starting place. He says, So, because you died with Christ, and when you did, you were released from the basic principles of the world. What are the basic principles of the world? Everybody, look up here. If you don't have a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ's work on your behalf, what's your only other option? Huh? Yeah. If, you, if you're not counting on Jesus' works, then you better be counting on your own works. That's the law. Doesn't that make sense? And what did he say? He said, church, don't you realize that when you were crucified with Christ the, and when, you're, when that death took place in you, that the result of that was you died to that cause and effect world that you lived in. You died to having to do all these things to make yourself right with God. How many of you know that's a a tiresome journey right there? Amen? That'll wear you out. And it's designed to. So Paul's saying, don't forget. You've been released from all that craziness. Why are you going back to that? Why are you re-embracing what Christ died to sever out of your life? But he's going to take this in a turn that's going to shock some of you. Because look at what he says. In verse, um, why do you subject yourself to these regulations? Verse 21? What regulations? Do not touch. Do not taste. Do not handle. Whole list of rules of stuff you're not supposed to do or touch or handle. Verse 22, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrine of men. You say, whose rules are these? These aren't God's rules. They're what? They're men's rules. What What are you running around in circles trying to follow men's rules for? Verse 23, these indeed have an appearance of wisdom. They sound good. In self-imposed religion, notice that. Who's imposing this religion? You are. It's a false humility and the neglect of the body. Now notice what Paul says about that. But are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. They don't work. They don't work. Asceticism teaches that denying yourself leads to greater holiness and approval from God. Brothers and sisters, I know that sounds like, oh, see, that's not me. I beg to differ. I think a lot of us who, wanna, who want to be serious and, and enjoy Christ to the fullest, this is one of the biggest things that we fall into. We think that by denying the flesh, it leads to this greater approval from God. Subtle trap. We're all called to deny ourselves and to follow Christ. But not as a means of acceptance to God or to grow in holiness. The growth in holiness is a byproduct. It's fruit from spending time with God. Does that make sense? And what we do is we spend time trying to produce that fruit. And if you can produce the fruit, then you're the one doing it and you don't need the Holy Spirit. Somebody needs to hear that today. What's the problem with asceticism? It's merely human Commands and teachings. That's just what people have to say. 1 Timothy six seventeen. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who, now, now notice this, who gives us richly, what's the next two words? All things to enjoy. Imagine that. How much has he given us to enjoy? everything what defiles a person what comes out of your mouth not what goes in now you ready to be offended because this offends me we're Baptists and Baptists say well you know what if you love Jesus you don't touch alcohol that is not true and we sit there and we'll shake our head and think we're so much better than everybody else because we would never touch wine. And we're so filled up with pride, a little wine might do you all some good. <laughs> I'm telling you. What have we said? Taste not, touch not, handle not. And, and the word says he's given you all things to enjoy. It's not what goes in that defiles you. It's what's coming out. But we've been brought up that way. I was brought up that way. Come from a long line of alcoholics. And I know I'm stepping on your toes. I just want you to think, is this one of those things that we have, we have made a, a sacred thing that makes us closer to God? And, and I'm not saying we all need to go out and you know, have wine with lunch today. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is we need to, we need to say, ha- have, we, have we fallen unwarily, un- unknowingly into this, into this idea of asceticism, taste not, touch not, handle not, when the scriptures doesn't say that? What goes in defiles not what goes out defiles, not what goes in. And he's given us how much to enjoy? All things to enjoy. Now I got quiet in this church just now. People are thinking, hmm, maybe I'm in the wrong place. No, maybe you're in the right place, and we need to think through these issues. Isaiah 29, 13, because here's where that leads. Therefore, as the Lord said, in as much as these people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, But they have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of who? Man, man. And again, don't hear what I'm not saying. My dear wife is one of those. She's never tasted alcohol, and she'll probably die. Never. That's fine. But that doesn't make her any more right with God than someone who in their christian freedom can do that without sinning it's a sin to be drunk and i'm not just you i can use a ton of other examples but they would probably offend you more than most of you are offended right now and, and the bible explains that That's a weaker brother and a more mature brother god's given us all things to enjoy that doesn't mean she's better than me doesn't mean that she's better than you what god is saying is it's it's a heart issue and we have freedom in christ not to be abused, to be enjoyed. And these people are coming along saying, oh, no, 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 no. Don't even handle it. Don't touch it and don't even look at it. Kind of sounds like the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? Because do you all remember when Satan shows up and he's talking to Eve and he said, well, what about this tree? And she said, oh, no, 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 we can't even, we can't. He said, here's, here's, what, here's the word I got from the Lord is that you shall not eat of it, neither shall you what? Touch not. Handle not, touch not, taste not. Neither shall you touch it, for in the day you do, you shall surely what? What did God tell Adam? He say anything about touching it? No, he said just don't what? Eat don't eat it. That was an addition. Right at the beginning, we started adding prohibitions to God's law. And it's innate in our flesh, and I want to tell you, that is the flesh that is not the Spirit because here's what it does. I've seen this in people. They're haughty. They're prideful. They say, oh, because I love the Lord, I don't do. And then you fill in the X, Y, and the Z. We've got to be careful. We can take these merely human commands and teachings and obey them as if they were right from God. And that negates the cross work of Christ. And that's what was happening. And and aestheticism is a weird thing. There was a famous aesthetic in the 5th century. He's called Simon the Stylite. He lived in 388 to 459 AD. And listen to this this guy spent the last 36 years of his life living on top of a 50 foot pillar. Can you imagine? People have done some crazy things in the name of asceticism just to deny the flesh. But Paul says, you know what? That's all just man-made rules. You don't need man-made rules. God never told you to do any of this stuff because this stuff makes you think you're better than everybody else. And, in fact, you're not. So what's the solution to asceticism? Remember that you already died with Christ. You're dead to the law. And you've risen to new life in Christ and you have freedom in Christ to enjoy all things that God has given for our enjoyment. Like Paul says in verse 23, these things, they got an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion and it produces this false humility. They neglect their body. But what is Paul saying? It's no value in the indulgence of the flesh. What's that mean? The flesh is stronger than all that. The flesh laughs at your attempts at asceticism. It does. It's not scared scared of your holiness practices, not one bit. You know what the flesh is scared of? A cross. And that's where it needs to go. (laughs) Amen? The flesh is not scared of you, but it's scared of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why we were crucified with Him. It says in Galatians 9, 2, 19-20, For I, through the law, Paul said, died to the law, that I might live to who, church? To God. And I have been what? Past tense. I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, and gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ. This is what I've got to remember. And, and Christ's crucifixion was enough. And how much do I need to add to that in order to be who God wants me to be? Absolutely nothing. And I know what you're thinking. I've had discussions, I've had discussions with myself. I've had discussion with other brother pastors about this. They say, you know, if you preach that message to your church, people won't do anything. They'll quit serving, they'll quit giving, and ultimately they'll quit coming. And I get it. Jay, you've heard those discussions, haven't you? If people ever really get a hold of grace, you're done for is, is what the idea is. That's man's ideas. Here's the reality. If people ever get a hold of grace, we're going to be starting churches out of here left and right. Because there ain't going to be in room for anybody else. Because the world is good at saying handle not, touch not, taste not. The world is good at this mysticism and all these experiences that you can have. The world is good at checking boxes that if you do this, then you're a good person. The world's got that down pat. Here's what the world doesn't understand and they desperately need. You are a sinner. You can't fix yourself. The only thing you're good at is blowing it. God had a son who could not sin, sent that sinless son to live 33 and a half sinless years, became the only person before her sins qualified to die for the sin of somebody else. And you are that somebody else. He went to that cross sinless. He literally became your sin on that cross, died a violent, bloody, significant death, was buried, because that's what you do with dead things, and three days later, he came back to life as a stamp of approval that God said, the way is now open, and whosoever will may come. And if you will come, you're one of those whosoever wills. That's what you... I said, what else do I need? Nothing! Whatever you add to that, you take away. We must not compete with the cross of Jesus. But you know what? We're always tempted to substitute something for Christ. But can I tell you? It's the title of the sermon this morning, Accept No Substitutes. Accept No Substitutes. Christ has everything you need to live the Christian life. So once again, as we've seen all the way through this letter, Christ is at the center. And he's enough. And you don't need anything more. That doesn't mean you live low. It means that through grace, wow, the Holy Spirit can live through you. But it's not about religious rules. It's not about religious experiences or religious acts of self-denial and legalism and mysticism and asceticism and all these other isms that are poor substitutes for Christ. What are you substituting for Christ in your life today? You might be surprised if God would really answer that question in your heart today. And I want to ask you to ask that question. In the same way that you have received the fullness of Christ, and you can't add anything without taking away from what Christ has already done for you, true spirituality is not a matter of religious rules or religious experiences or religious acts but rather a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you have that? And is it based on Him alone? Legalism cannot buy you acceptance with God. How many of us say amen to that? You are accepted by God through faith in Christ who came to fulfill the law. You know what mysticism brings to the body of Christ? Nothing but division. The haves and the have-nots. We need to stay connected with Christ from whom the whole body grows together. He's the head. And the rest of us grow up into him. And every person in this room is vitally and equally important. Asceticism will not help you grow in holiness. It will detract from holiness. Because you've got to remember that you already died with Christ to this world's will. So that you can live for Another. So what is today's message in a nutshell? Don't substitute anything for Christ. Accept no substitutes. Christ is at the center and everything else will leave you with a bad taste in your mouth. You all believe that today? So let me ask the question as our musicians come. Let me ask this question. What what have you possibly substituted for Christ? What What experience are you seeking that if you have that, Then you'll be more spiritual, more accepted by God. What rules are you keeping? Because you think that makes God love you more. And if you'll be honest, you think that makes you better than the person down the road who doesn't do what you do or or does what you don't do, more likely. And I hope you don't hear what I'm not saying today. And I'm willing to, I'll, I'll get with you. I'm sure I'll get some phone calls. We'll have some good discussions this week. But I'll talk to you. But I'll tell you, that I'll, I'll shoot you straight. Christ and Christ alone. And that's what this all drives us back to. And that's what Paul was telling these confused group of Christians who are being lied to. Just make sure of this, that you're not the one doing the lying. Don't lie to yourself. And accept no substitutes for our king. Father, we come to you today asking you to add your blessing to the explanation of your word. And may we really just look at what we believe and why we believe it. And and Lord, uh, do we have that spiritual pride where we think we're better than other people because of X, Y, or Z? And in doing so, help us to realize that what we've actually done is that we've substituted some outward activity or lack thereof. For Christ's crosswork on, Cal- on the cross of Calvary. Wake us up to that. May we embrace and enjoy our freedom in Christ to make us more like you, not less. May we reject all legalism. May we reject mystical experiences. And may we reject man made rules of asceticism. And instead, embrace Jesus and Him only. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Would you stand?